In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. on the field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to look at how you're doing business hello and welcome to white Sox business the podcast that has often wondered if it should start every show by saying it's business time but has never actually gone through with it maybe it's because it's a bad idea or maybe it's just because the podcast doesn't have the confidence not to care whether it's a bad idea or not and just do it anyway who knows i don't i can't speak for the podcast i can only speak for myself tom Fernelli. Maybe my co-host, the Athletics White Sox chronicler, James Fegan, can speak for the podcast. James, should uh, the podcast start off with, it's business time. I just assumed we were avoiding a lawsuit from Flight of the Concords. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm not singing it in like a sensual manner. I I heard it that way. Do you th- oh, great. So now we've got somebody else who's going to be mad about our podcast name. And, Jesus. Oh, uh, no. a route. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll tackle this topic at another time. Uh, on today's show, we brought on, or we have, the Athletics, Jason Stark, to talk about the only thing in baseball there is to talk about right now, labor negotiations. Uh, it's a good interview. Jason gives some interesting answers, and he also brings a little insight that neither James and I have, because we've James, you and I don't really have a ton of experience covering labor No sources whatsoever. No. Hey, hey, don't cut yourself short. Because we've got scoops from you we'll get to, too. But we also play a rousing edition of Tenty Questions to see if James can keep his undefeated record alive. But before we get to any of that, scoops! You struck on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to read from the Twitter account of one James Vegan. Oh, great. We transitioned all the way to embarrassing. White Sox say they will continue to pay their minor leaguers through the end of June, including the 26 players they released last week. Essentially, an extension of the agreement MLB announced on March 31st for $400 a week and benefits. The arrangement was set to expire on May 31st. So, what do we what do we make of this? Why why are they still paying the players that they released? Uh, probably just out of respect to the fact that it's kind of late notice. They were released uh, last week. Or it- I don't know. It seems like a humane thing to do, but I would argue that, I mean, obviously this is a course of minor league year with a lot of promotions with, especially with the infusion of their draft is always a big wave of releases. There's also a big wave of releases. Um, when kind of the minor league year starts and as extended spring training starts to taper off because they always invite way more minor leaguers than they can fit. Uh, onto uh, the rosters for a minor league year for all their affiliates. And some of them stay in extended spring training the whole time um, during uh, just kind of keeping ready in case anybody is needed for like injuries because of, you know, believe it or not, injuries happen in minor leagues as well as major leagues. 
and kind of shuffle in. But there's also just a lot of guys who got to get cut at the end of spring. Like I remember, I think, you know, Casey Gillespie got cut at the end of spring. Uh, that was the last type of guy who's kind of floating around the minor leagues. I was keeping track of uh, on that level. So there, there's usually cuts around this time. If anything, I feel like a lot, some of them maybe got delayed uh, by the fact that there was never this point of saying, all right, we're sending out our, our affiliate rosters. Let's trim down some guys who don't really fit into the picture. So I, to some degree, I feel like um, they got hung on to maybe more and, and, and than they would have. Um, but there's been there's been some talk of um, well the fact that the Great League uh, the Great Falls Voyagers are on the chopping block, mm-hmm. and these are a lot of guys who played in Great Falls last year. That this is indicative that they're trimming down to uh, not fill out the team. and They're planning on getting rid of it. On one hand, like. Great Great Falls is in mortal danger because of the fact that this minor league proposal is going to probably go through and it is going to result in a lot of reductions and the fact that like minor league teams are already suffering as is because the season's going to get canceled. Um, there's not really much resistance to it. So yeah, I think advanced league rookie teams that are independent, basically any ball teams that aren't on the complex, they're they're in danger. I don't necessarily think that this is a particular machination uh, presaging that because. It's not like the Great the Great Falls team is mostly made up of the June draft uh, as is. It's not like there's a lot of like returning players for the advanced rookie league team. Mm-hmm. That's not really what makes up the heart of the roster. And even then, I don't think it's like these guys, for the most part, are either you know kind of organizational filler or they are kind of failed prospects that they've given up on. Jose Guerrero, uh, Kelvin Maldonado, um, being instances like that. So I, I don't really see this as being like, this is the guys who would have gone out and been the 25 guys at Great Falls, and now they're getting rid of them because Great Falls is about to get axed. Great Falls might get axed. I don't really see this as part of it. Um, I would say that I don't think the White Sox are going to be, they were the first to announce, and maybe they're announcing on the uh, in light of the fact that I was going to report the releases, and they wanted to kind of uh, you know soften the blow and indicate like, hey, you know this is not going to look good that you know we're cutting on these guys loose. Uh, in the middle of pandemic, so please mention the fact that we are paying them, and maybe as a result of that, this this word gets out before maybe other teams announce it. Because I think the Marlins have already announced it today that they're paying them. I think the exceptional case is more the A's who are not paying them because they've been exceptional on the side of furloughing workers and uh, and, and and not paying minor leaguers. I think they certainly deserve more scrutiny. I'm not saying don't praise the White Sox because I think they behaved uh, commendably throughout this, both with their front office employees and with the minor leaguers. And I think it's a, a nice gesture to go out with, to give the minor leaguers something um, that you've released for an extra month. It's obviously not a huge expense uh, to give it's 25 like a guys. Package. Like a uh, you know, it's, it's probably barely over fifty thousand dollars, which is all the more it's a it's a nice commendable thing to do, but also probably. I would lean towards more the A's deserve scrutiny for not doing it rather than the White Sox are exceptional from the rest of the league for doing it uh, yeah, as, I, as much as we we want them to be doing the right thing. You mentioned the Marlins and my, my initial reaction when I saw that news about the Marlins, you know, committing to pay the guys through the month that I was sitting there and then I compared it immediately to the athletics and I thought, man, if the Marlins are willing to pay their players and you're not, that's, that's, you know, that's not a great sign considering the history that the Marlins have with, keeping anybody that requires any kind of money. So yeah, it's, it was one of those weird situations just cause it was like, all right, we released them, but we're still paying them. And, but my thought was like, well, why didn't you just keep them for an extra few weeks if you were still going to be paying them? But at the same time, like 
really, what would that accomplish? It's not like they've got practices or games to play in. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's news is what it is. And Scoops was first on the scene with it. I mean, so. you care about the guys that you draft and you, you want them to have a decently soft landing. It's, it's really not going to pay your rent or anything like that. But given that you're sending these guys out on unemployment, um, yeah, know, it, it's, it's a nice gesture. There, like you said, as the athletics showed, there's horrible ways to do it, and then there's just the probably the right way to do it, which isn't anything that you should be like, oh wow, applauding, but it's just the situation, right? And I, I guess at this point, we it, it, we assume the worst or uh, expect the worst behavior, and we it, kind of something like this that just seems like conscientious treatment of your your players uh, almost looks like uh, you know charity. What if? It, oh, wait, here's some galaxy brain. What if they did this because this was the, the team's crying poor as they s- submitted their new plan to the players in the labor negotiations? Whoa. I mean, I do wonder if how are we going to look at this when, you know, free agency comes around and all of a sudden the, they're acting like it's kind of a I was just a, I was just writing a story basically about the White Sox offseason um, before 2012, where they, they traded away Carlos Quentin and uh, uh pieces from the bullpen and didn't really add anything the, the basically the biggest free agent ad- addition and one of being a really good one was jose quintana as a minor league free agent um because they're just cutting costs all that year and they were trying to do a lot of things on the cheap so if, if they switch back to that off-season mode during what seems to be a contingent cycle i don't i don't think fan good feelings about the fact that they paid no. their staffers will really last uh <laughs> no they'll the go out the window real quick yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, okay, well, that's, that's good to know the latest going on with the White Sox. Now let's, let's transition to the latest going on in baseball and get to our interview with Jason Stark. Jason, thank you very much for joining White Sox Business today. Tom, James, the thrill is mine. How are you guys? Uh, we're, we're good. I can't, I mean, James, how are you? I'm pretty, <laughs> I mean, technical issues just feel a lot more poignant when there's a Hall of Fame baseball writer on the other side of the call. So it's, it's, it's really a touching moment. Yeah, you, you are the first Hall of Famer we've had on the podcast. So you get that honor. Is, I think, is that, is that more important to you than the Hall of Fame or, you know? <laughs> uh, there, there'd be no speeches involved, right? So yeah, I'm no. good. I'm good with that. Just, just questions and answers. Just your typical interview. Okay. Uh, so okay. there's, there's not a whole lot going on. <laughs> In, in baseball right now, there's really only one thing that's going that takes anybody's attention. It is baseball doing its best right now, seemingly, to mess <laughs> up a possible return. Uh, just your thoughts so far based on what we've seen. Like, you've covered labor strife in the sport before. How, how does the gulf between the level of irritation between the two <laughs> sides compare to what you've seen in the past? Uh, let's just say I've seen this movie way too many times. Uh, I, I'm not sure why every baseball negotiation has to start this way, but apparently they all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, they don't all end this way, so we do have that to hang on. But they always start by having talks break down seemingly irreparably over stuff like, where should we meet for lunch? You know, And that's kind of <laughs> where, where they are right now. Uh, two months ago, they hammered out one agreement. Two months later, they can't even agree on what they agreed on. Does that feel like a good sign? It no. doesn't feel like good to me. No, it's and it's weird because like optically too, on, on Tuesday, this is what we dealt with on Tuesday. We had the NHL, 
you know, Gary Bettman holding a press conference in which he's announcing the league's plan for its playoff thing that they're going to return and play. We've had in the last few days, you know, the NBA finalizing a plan where apparently everybody's going to be playing in Orlando. And then comes the MLB news where it's like, hey, actually, we're farther <laughs> apart than we were two days ago. <laughs> yeah, playing it, playing this out in public is really working out well. Um, you know, people always ask me how optimistic I am, uh, maybe because I'm an optimistic person, but I don't know how anybody could use a word like optimism to describe what we're seeing. The thing I keep hanging on to is I also try to be a realistic person. And a realistic person would say, all right, wait, the NHL is going to play. The NBA obviously is going to figure it out. The NFL is certainly going to play. And baseball, the one outdoor non-contact sport is not going to play. And smart people are going to decide, hey, that's really an acceptable decision. That's a sensible thing to do. No, it's not. It's not sensible. It's not acceptable. It's a total disaster. Do not do that. Do not let that happen. That was the realistic me talking. What do you think? I, I think it's pretty good. I think, I mean, it's because here's the thing, like I, I was another question I was going to get to, but I feel like it's more there's obviously there's more important things going on in the world as a whole right now but i think that if you're looking at baseball as an enterprise as a sport it's just doing this right now and like i i I agree with you as far as you know we've seen all these negotiations start out where both sides seem like they're completely talking about different things before they finally come to an agreement but if they did blow this, like if we take the pessimistic viewpoint on this, if they blow this and somehow the 2020 season ends up getting canceled, how do you think that would impact the health of the sport going forward? <laughs> I, I just used the word disaster, but that doesn't seem strong enough, does it? Uh, it? You know, why would anybody choose to drive their sport off this cliff right now? Um, you know, you guys referenced that I have covered a lot of labor talks in my day. That is true. One of those things I covered was the 94-95 strike. And uh, I'm scarred forever by being on the conference call when Bud Selig announced they were canceling the World Series. And I just had this pit in my stomach because I knew just what a a mess that was. What, uh, What a blow they were inflicting on their sport that for me, they have still not recovered from. Uh, I mean, look, they've they sold a lot of tickets and made a lot of money since then. So the cash register has rung in that sense. They've recovered. Baseball has never recovered its place in the American culture that it had before it canceled that World Series over money. And that did not happen in the midst of a pandemic. That did not happen at a time when 40 million people didn't have a job at all. So this, to me, would be worse. You do not recover from canceling a season over money at a time like this. Don't we have to believe that Rob Manfred and Tony Clark understand that someplace in their brains? I'm still clinging to that. So I guess to try to tack out the the optimistic side again, given that you've kind of seen uh, you know labor uh, arguments or disagreements with the, the league and the players union start out with this tenor before, is how much of this is, I guess, typical first day or two of negotiation? And what, how much is um, 
really just a lot more <laughs> pitch than we than we've even seen before. You know, it's there's a lot of both involved. Um, one of the lessons I've learned from covering negotiations is not to take the play-by-play too seriously because it always looks horrible and impossible that they could ever figure it out. And then magically, at some point, they often do. They almost always do, or at least they have in the last 25 years. But I, I mean, I have to admit, what happened Tuesday didn't advance the ball at all. I, I actually, you know, th- this script has been used so many times that I actually had people earlier in the day predicting this was exactly what would happen. The owners would propose something that they knew couldn't possibly be acceptable to the players. And then there would be a couple of days of of yelling, screaming, posturing, and then we would find out where this was really going. I still kind of believe that. What happened on Tuesday was basically Rob Manfred flipping the ball over the net and telling Tony, okay, time for you to take a swing. And the the union has to now respond. The union has to make a proposal. And I don't have a lot of optimism that their proposal is is going to be one that they think the other side can can use as, as some sign up, some sort of blueprint to find a deal. But at some point, soon, somebody has to have a big idea, a creative idea, an idea that it can at least start a conversation so you can find a path to a middle ground. I don't see what that path is now, but that middle ground certainly exists. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant's backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You could save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com slash athletic for 25% off your first order. You know, one of the things I can't help but think as I'm watching this all unfold is <clears throat> even in in the world before the, the pandemic hit and everything just seemed to be fine and normal, I felt like we were heading in a direction where after the CBA expires, after the 2021 season, we were heading in a direction where there was likely going to be a work stoppage as it is because, you know, you'd see headlines every year about how MLB revenue sets new records for, you know, a, a season in, in revenue. And then at the same time, you see, hey, average player salary drops. And to me, when you see those two different headlines, it's like, uh-oh, we're heading for some trouble. So with what we're seeing now, do you think that in any way this is kind of like they're already starting the 2021 fight that's to come? <laughs> it, it definitely feels that way. I, you know, certainly a window into the uh, the distrust and the dysfunction that would, I would use it to describe their relationship. You do have to be careful because 
two months ago when they figured out some sort of deal to at least get us to this place, uh, you actually heard people say, hey, this is a, a sign that they actually can find common ground and make a deal. And I guess that's true, but it, it doesn't, didn't really tell us anything about the CBA negotiations. And I'm trying to stay away from the idea that this is telling us they can't possibly reach a deal when they have to do that one. But, you know, anybody who has any level of fear that labor Armageddon is covering is coming in a year and a half uh, certainly doesn't have any reason to have less fear because they can't even agree on each other's premise right now. Um, you know, you have owners saying we're, uh, whether we play or not with no fans, we're going to suffer disastrous losses. And you have the union saying, we don't even believe that you would lose money at all, not a penny, even if you play to zero fans. So if they have that little understanding of each other's basic position on one single seemingly clear-cut issue. Think of all the issues they have to figure out in the next CBA. And meanwhile, all this is doing is just hardening the rancor that already existed on both sides and among players. Uh, you know, you've, you've seen players on Twitter over the last 24 hours. Like That rancor is real. And the more players feel rancor and anger, the more likely... It is that someone can convince them that going on strike or forcing a lockout is a good idea. It is never a good idea, but it's it's far from out of the question. One of the uh, kind of overlooked factors that you, you know you can't really get to until there's an agreement on the premise uh, that you wrote about was players potentially sitting out um, for health concerns, and you know reading the piece, kind of the premise that you open with is that you were surprised by the degree that this was seriously a thing that could be, uh, you know, could keep several players out of the game or be a consideration since writing it. Have you heard more about how big of a stumbling block that could be or, or, or do we uh, fully appreciate the, the depths to which that could be a problem? I think it's going to be a huge plot line uh, if they can make any strides toward getting closer to figuring out an agreement. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's possible to, have an agreement without the players say taking some sort of additional pay cut. Um, maybe you could make it up to them in some other way. But all right, let's just let's just fast forward now to where. All right, they're, you're going to play baseball, but wait a second, Mike Trapp decides um, he's going to have to play for twenty million dollars less in his contract. He's got a pregnant wife. He's just not feeling good about playing. Clayton Kershaw is not going to play. Garrett Cole has got a pregnant wife. He's he's not going to play for the $28 million pay cut he's being offered. Bryce Harper's not going to play. Blake Snell's not going to play. At what point does the other side say, well, hold on a second. If your players aren't going to play, if our stars aren't going to play, why are we playing? And so I, I think they can come to a deal if it's if we're just talking about players who have defined health risks who the CDC would qualify as being very much at risk guys who 
are cancer survivors, guys with type 2 diabetes, guys who've had heart issues. If those players do not want to play, I think the sport would be obligated to say, okay, we get it. We'll even pay you. Um, We can't afford to have you get sick. But now if other players say, we don't think it's safe to play, but what they're really saying is it's not worth our while to come back and play for this money. And that, that, that number of players grows to a, a really large total. What's the ripple effect of that? What's the reaction to that? How is that handled? Do those players get paid anything? Do they get service time in any way? Does Mookie Betts get to sit out the year and still become a free agent? Like These are gigantic questions that have to be answered that haven't even been broached now. And I think this is going to be a thing. We're just not there yet. I mean, if the league tries to forge ahead without them, doesn't that kind of poison the well for the next year of the CBA negotiations? Uh, there are so many different outcomes here that can poison that well. This would be one of them. Almost in in, in any case, this would be one of them. Um, there's, there's just so many ways this can go. I, I just I worry about players who sit out, even if they are for good and valid reasons. Um, I don't know that fans will ever let them forget that for the rest of their career. May not see the reasons, may not care about the reasons. I, I just wrote about Dusty Baker, who is 70 years old, uh, has survived a uh, cancer, a mini stroke, and an irregular heartbeat, among other things, and would be clearly about as at risk as any single person in uniform. And some of the reader comments uh, just dismiss the idea that he should be concerned or we should be concerned about him. So if somebody like him isn't going to get a benefit of the doubt, how much of the benefit of the doubt is even Mike Trout going to get if he says, I've got a pregnant wife, I can't do this? Uh, it's very worrisome. Yeah, I, I read that, what you wrote it with Dusty, because you guys had him on Starkville too. That was That is an, a serious situation if I'm Dusty to, or anybody in that situation to have to consider. It's like, how? what is this really worth to you compared to the risks? Because it's it's kind of like Blake Snell said when he was on Twitch, when, you know, the, the, the viral moment on Twitch where he said that, you know, it's like, hey, this is, this. it might not be for every player that's, you know, in their early, mid-20s. It might not be a life or death situation. But for those that work for the team and are around the team, this can be a thing of making a decision that could result in your death. But we're getting... We're getting way too dark. We got we got to change paths here a little bit. Let's let's move to the optimistic side and say that despite all of this, there is a season, a shortened season. This is something James that. and I have talked about. You wrote about it. If they play an eighty-two game season, like James asked me on a show last week, if the White Sox won a World Series in a shortened season, would it still mean something to me? And I, I said that it would. And I think that for any team, like you wrote, you asked Bob Costas, and Costas said that you know, in a way. He hopes the Indians don't win the World Series this year because maybe it would be seen as cheap. And I'm like, no, I think the Indians will be fine. But the yeah. more interesting thing to me was what you went on when you talked to Joey Votto. Like for counting stats, obviously, I don't think we'd have to worry about somebody setting a single season home run mark in a half season. And if they did do it in a half season, I think that would be the most remarkable thing we ever saw. So there'd be right. absolutely no reason to question it. But for like the rate stats, for like if somebody hits 400, how would we view that going forward? You know, I, I don't think there's any question that hitting 400 in a, an 80-game season, 82-game season, 60-game season, three-week season, whatever it is we wind up playing, would could possibly be viewed the same 
as what Ted Williams did. Okay, we can agree on that, right? Um, even Joey Votto, I think he used 11 different no's at one point to say, no, no, no. He, he, he didn't want anybody to think he But they had that Canadian that. O accent. It was no, no, no. <laughs> they, they did, as a matter of fact. Um, so we can agree on that. But the question is, does baseball need to explain that in any way? Uh, is it necessary to attach an asterisk to that or anything else that happens in a shortened season? And I, Bob Costas made the point that I think so. I think we should have actual asterisks. But I talked to a lot of different people for this story, including Joey Votto, uh, including Terry Francona, who would be very willing to accept a World Series trophy, by the way, if the Indians win. Uh, John Thorne, the official historian of baseball. Steve Hurt, um, now of Stats, formerly of Elias, a longtime baseball historian and statistician. Nobody else thought an asterisk was a good idea. And I love the way that Joey Votto explained it. He said his favorite thing about his job is players just do stuff. And then they let everybody else take that stuff and figure out what the story is. Write a story. And so we will write stories. We will tell stories about what happens this year. And it's going to be important because the fewer games in a season, the more possibility that weird stuff can happen. I'm in favor of weird stuff, but we would have to explain it. I mean, it seems like almost exciting as a writer to hear Vado say something like that, that, you know, kind of weird tasks with providing the context for it. It, it, it seems like it's almost, it's, it's, it's giving you a real sense of purpose. <laughs> I was officially excited. You're, you're totally right about that. Hey, that's what we do at The Athletic. We tell stories. So if Joey Vado's saying that's what you need to do, hey, mission accomplished. We can tell him. I was uh, I was talking to a, a guy who runs a AAA team, and he was talking about that even when this the sport comes back, and especially for him and his operating basis, it's not going to be the same. And, you know, he was referring to simple things like, you know, it, well, we probably won't think anything of seeing like hand sanitizer dispensers at every aisle of a stadium or, or, or sneeze guards at concession stands. But I feel like with all the things that we've gone through with you know, scouts getting furloughed and and um, all the kind of stuff that the measures teams have taken, maybe to cut costs during the time when there's no revenue, that the, even when we return to normalish uh, baseball operations, that there will be things that we go uh, changes that we went through during this time that will kind of last. So you being a big picture guy, I, I, I take it from reading your stuff. <laughs> what have you, is there anything you think of that will be different or kind of forever change as a result of just going through this process in the game? Uh, you know, I have to admit there are certain things that I haven't been able to get my mind to grasp. Uh, I, I haven't really been able to fully grasp life on the other side of this because, uh, like, I wonder stuff like, when will they even let me into a press box again? <laughs> I'm sure you guys are thinking the same thing. Yep. And um, when will we sit in a ballpark and look around and every seat in that park is full again? When will we look around and nobody is wearing a mask? Um, how will... You know, how will the concession stands of the future look? Uh, there, you won't be you won't be allowed to give anybody cash. I'm guessing, right? You'll have to have a smartphone to pay. There'll be no. Uh, it won't be like a bunch of food sitting out, and you just grab what you want. There'll be no buffet lines in the press room. Like all that stuff has to change. It's just 
just the uh, the mechanics of just an ordinary trip to the ballpark, I think, are going to change. And I don't know if forever is the right word, but change for a long time. We had Sean Doolittle on Starkville, and we started asking him stuff like, this was three weeks ago now. Is the high five dead? Yeah, dead. Um, <laughs> and we just started ripping through all this stuff. We were talking about how you might need like robot fans just uh, you and the robot fans would sit in the seats and you could somehow like pay money and you could control whether the robot booed or cheered. And I, I don't know if that's coming, but no, I'm not ruling anything out right now. Okay. N nothing. And then the other thing to think about is baseball economics. Would you want to be Mookie Betts going into the free agent market next winter? You think no. he's getting four hundred million dollars? I, I mean, I'd I still trade places that's... at this point, but yeah, it's not as good as it, it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, yeah, but think of what he turned down. Think about how it, this forced him to be traded by the Red Sox. Also, he could make this big trip uh, into Super Lotto free agent territory this winter, and that's just—I I don't see how that happens, and I don't know when player salaries recover. I don't know when the free agent market recovers. I do know if they don't play, um, that's going to be every free agent's worst nightmare. Everyone. Because that money is just not going to be there. I have no idea what money will be there. Uh, one final question here for you before we'll let you go. Uh, clearly, like baseball, sports leagues, they weren't prepared for this because, I mean, how can anybody really be prepared for any of this? Nobody saw this coming. But do you feel that working with Cam prepared you to deal with a pandemic in the sense that, well, if I can deal with him, I can deal with anything? <laughs> you know, at Starkville, we refer to Cam as the evil mayor. <laughs> and so there's always a certain sense of doom that hangs over every show. Um is there a certain sense of doom that hangs over our lives now? I, I, I'm not ready to go there. Is, I don't really, I don't like to believe that Cam is ready to inflict doom on our show. I but do. You do? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, I probably should reconsider then. <laughs> I th As I, I said at the beginning, I'm an, I'm an optimistic person. So I choose to be <laughs> optimistic about our evil mayor's real intentions. So that's how I'm going through Thank That's you, how I Jason. go through the show. That's how I'm going through life. It's how I hope to go through the rest of my life. Cam, please Believing don't speak until we let you speak again. Please. <laughs> <laughs> you believe right. in the goodness of yes, someone sir. that evil? I try. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, seriously, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you giving us some time today. And uh, hopefully, while we don't know what the future looks like, hopefully we'll be back in a press box at some point soon. And hopefully the buffet's still there because honestly, if they take away the buffets in the press box, what are we even doing? Now? We won't even want to go back. No, exactly. But yeah. seriously, Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Uh, I enjoyed it, guys. I, I, I share that hope that we see each other in a ballpark soon. In a buffet line. <laughs> All right, I'm not going there. I'm not going that far. <laughs> hey, fellow business. It's Cam here to tell you about Hawthorne. Get acquainted with your better smelling self with help from Hawthorne. Hawthorne uses study-backed research to pair you with grooming products based off your skin, hair, and scent-based needs. By answering Hawthorne's quick quiz, no need to cheat, it's really easy, guys, you'll be matched with cologne, shampoos, deodorants, and other wonderful smell-centric wares. It's like a dating app for your nose, except you're never going to get left on red. And Hawthorne offers free shipping and free returns. 
Okay, so it's not exactly like a dating app, but their quiz does do a fantastic job of honing in on your specific smelling needs. Look, I tend to sweat when I work out and watch cops, and because of the staining power my perspiration possesses, the splotches on my shirts leave me embarrassed. Hawthorne saved the day, though, by curating a selection of personalized body products, including a stain-free deodorant. Take that, sweat! Plus, Hawthorne pinpoints a pair, not just one, of colognes that are tailored to you based off your workspace, personality, and how you choose to use your free time. That's why my work cologne is fresh and aquatic, so I don't offend my dogs' noses. And my play scent is aromatic and witty. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, and dot co, not dot com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, we'd like to thank Jason for joining us and giving us time out of his busy schedule because he's a he's a wanted man right now, James. There there are uh, there are a lot of radio stations who want to talk to the Hall of Famer and he's also got things to do. So to join us, that was kind of him. We appreciate it. You could, of course, read Jason's work at The Athletic. Why wouldn't you? And you can also listen to his podcast, even if it is produced by Cam Starkville with him and Doug Lanville here on The Athletic. But uh, moving on to the rest of our show, James, do you know what time it is? Uh, yes, because I was in the rundowns typing up questions for Jason Stark. So I saw your inane scribblings. <sighs> wow. Guy gets one fucking scoop and he just <laughs> it goes to his head. It's time for 10T questions, James, where you put your perfect 3-0 record on the line to see if you could guess the mystery White Sox player that I have in mind for those who are new. And just as a quick refresher, James gets 10 questions to ask. They cannot be super specific. They can't be like, how many hits did he have this year? Or what was his number? And what season did he play? But they've got to be more general questions, and he gets 10 to see if he could figure out who the mystery player is. Like I said, we've done this three times. He has not lost yet. Is James a genius, or has he just been lucky? Let's find out, James. I, I feel like I, I've, I've just felt like strangely guided towards the answer every time, and I feel like cheering every time I win is kind of like, the whole family coming out to clap when you ride the bike on training wheels to the end of the driveway. I'm sorry that we love you and we care about you and we just want you to succeed. But maybe, maybe today is a little, uh, a little more difficult. Well, now, I, now I've poked the bear and I'm going to flop. That's right. I'm going to change up real quick. <laughs> Let me close this page and find the most obscure person I could think of on a team that you won't remember. No, 2017. <laughs> There are, I, you know, when I've gone through looking for players, there are a lot of great candidates on 2017. I, I I've definitely, like, lost sporkle quizzes on the White Sox. And I'm like, <laughs> I covered this guy. Yes. <laughs> I've interviewed this man. Yeah, those, that's my favorite thing. It's like when you take those sporkle quizzes, like, you you remember the guy from 1983, but then the dude from 2017, you're like, shit, who was that? Who was their opening day second baseman again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. You've kind of cheated here. It's not anybody from 2017. So you've got one free question there, I guess. Wait, you're, yes. so you are a super genius. Anyways, what's your first question? Uh, pitcher, position player? <laughs> position player. Um, is he active? Inactive. Um, 
Has any institution retired his number? I cannot go back to his high school and find out if they did. But I will say that nobody in the professional ranks has. I see. Um, Infielder or outfielder? Outfielder. That's four questions. You got six left. Tyler Saladino was the opening day second baseman for 2017, by the way. A man I literally talked to for an hour two weeks ago. Yeah, but (laughs) that's not a question. You said outfielder? Are you asking me if it's Tyler Saladino? No, no. I was was multitasking. No. You said outfielder, right? Yeah, I said outfielder. You've got six questions left. He's inactive. No no retired numbers. Would he have... um, is he been active? Inactive? Would is he Hall of Fame eligible? Yes. Five questions left. All right. <laughs> Can I act like ask like what race is he? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I mean, I think it could be problematic. So. So no. he's a problematic. It, the question is problematic, or the answer would be problematic. I think you're problematic right now, honestly. Uh, I mean, uh, well, like if I was trying to find can, myself, can you be the judge? Can can we bring race into this? If like no. if I was the player who was trying to like figure out who it was, and I asked what race is he, and you're like, well, he's half Irish, Jamaican, and German, I'd be like, well, I think I know who this guy is. <laughs> so it would be like a helpful question. I know. I understand that it's helpful. I'm just wondering if we should allow it. I'm going to let Cam be the ultimate arbiter here. No, I I veto that. Oh, see, sorry, can't ask it. Um, has he ever made an All Star team? Yes. Four questions left. Dead air. Can I like? Can I ask his injury history? Does it have to be like a yes or no question? Um, I I wouldn't call it an extensive injury history, but he did have some nagging injuries. Hmm. Three questions left. Uh, has, oh, has he ever been in a brawl? <laughs> yes. Two questions left. I mean, I don't want to like piss away my like. Is is a guess a question? Uh, no, you can guess, but you only get one guess, and if it's incorrect, you don't get another one. Like at all, even if I figure them out at the end. No, you get after ten questions, you'll be able to, you know, give your final answer. But I'll allow you one guess. Is he primarily a right fielder? No, oh, but that's a question, not a guess. So you've only got one question left. So I have one more question and then a guess. You have one more question and then you have to give me your answer. Yes. Um. Was he? Uh, I mean, is, is it is it Rios? <laughs> Is that a guess or a question? It's a guess. <laughs> no, you've got one question left. <laughs> well, um, is he left-handed or right-handed or switch hitter? He bats left and throws left. Now, those are all the questions you have. Is it Tony Phillips? The perfect record. Is over. <laughs> it is not Tony Phillips. I'm laughing to cover up the tears. I'm going to let you take one more guess. Not that it'll count, even if you get it right, but one more guess. Uh, was Lance Johnson left-handed? 
yeah. Is it Lance Johnson? Are you sure you want that to be your last guess? Well, no. Uh, sure. Your perfect record is still not intact. Well, wasn't it already not intact because I didn't get it the first time? Correct. That's where I was going. You interrupted me. But no, it is not Lance Johnson. Cam, do you do you have a guess as to who it could be? Mm, um, Scott Podesnik? Did you just say Scott Podesnik? It's Scott Podsednik. That too. And yes, it is. Look at that. Oh, Cam knew. Right. Hey. Cam knew, James. Shot in the dark. Wow. You refuse to give me the clue of a white guy who plays baseball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because here's the thing. Like, I I didn't want to set a uh, precedent because, as you know, you've covered with Tim Anderson, there is a you know, there's we're seeing declining numbers in African Americans playing. So I feel like if I allow that question to be asked now, in the future, you could use it. And if it is an African American player, that makes it a lot easier for you to figure out simply because there haven't been nearly as many of them as whites and Hispanics. Right. That that it definitely was. That was definitely my angle. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I didn't want to. <laughs> I, you, you were kind of profiling. Let's be honest. I mean, come on. But no, it was Scott Potsednik. And the reason I thought of Scott Potsednik, we were originally going to do this segment on Monday, but the show was running long, so we cut it out. But it's because, I, you know, they, they've been re-showing the, the 2005 season on, on NBC Sports Chicago, and they'd reached the playoffs. It was game one of the ALDS, and the White Sox won that game 14-2. to Potsednik's second home run of the postseason and of the entire season in the World Series is more remembered, but he also had a home run in that game as part of a barrage of bombs. And that, I, I, I loved that game because, A, I was there, but B, because even though early in that season, like in end of April, early May, I was telling friends, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I think this, this team is actually really good. I, I think this team has a real chance to win the World Series. I didn't think it was a mirage, but... Going into the playoffs that year, it's like there's still that part of you that's somewhat nervous just simply because based on your history as a White Sox fan of seeing what typically happens to them when they reach the postseason once every 25 if, years. It if seems that like. team had gone in and just gotten rolled by the Red uh -huh. Sox, like nobody would be like, oh, I, I wasn't uh -huh. emotionally prepared for this. Yeah. So like to see that game and not just because they're playing the defending champs and to see them not only win the game, but just curb stomp them. Like any concerns I had, I was like, they went out the window. I was like, oh shit, we're winning it. We're, if we're, if we're doing this to this team, we're 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 winning this entire thing, and that's exactly what happened. So I mean, they only lost once the entire postseason. So. I am so tickled that NBC Chicago played Game One of the ALCS last night. Uh, the loss of Paul Bird just flummoxing the White Sox for six innings. Yeah, I, after I, the entire like Joe Buck intro of like. Oh, the Angels have slept like a combined 20 minutes as a roster <laughs> yes. after their plane got stuck in the Munich Triangle. Uh, so the, the White Sox should roll here. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was great. Now, I mean, I think that's the first loss they've showed during this entire thing. Cause it was the only one. Showing, yeah, because they're, yeah. they're just playing wins during the season. Yeah, and I, I was happy to actually, in a weird way, it was happy to kind of see a loss because it's like, as I've said before, it's like when you're watching those games, it's it's a nice little trip down memory lane and it's great for like background, but at the same time, it's always kind of, th any kind of maybe 
you know, drama or intrigue and not remembering exactly how a game turned out. But I remember exactly how this game turned out. No, but I'm saying still during the regular season games, it's like, okay, well, I know they're going to win. So no matter what, you know, like if they're down five to one, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep watching to see what goes on. But if they're up 12 to two and or, you know what I'm saying? Or if it's a close game, it's like, well, the kind of the, the drama goes away because you, you already know that they won. Yeah, but I, I I don't turn on that game and think like, well, this guy's throwing 84. They're going to figure it out eventually because I know they, yeah. they did it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I just it was nice. It was still refreshing to see an actual loss in a weird way, as weird as that is to say. Uh, time to get to shout outs. I'll start as is the custom shouting out sandal season because it's warm again, which means I could bust out my sandals and I'm not going to name the brand on the show because I don't want to give free plugs until they give me free things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. But, but I have a pair of like sandals from a company that sells sandals and they specialize in selling sandals and they just, I miss them when I'm not wearing them. I can't wear them during the winter because frankly, it's too cold to wear them around the house, but Oh man, wearing these things during the summer. They're just the most comfortable sandals that I've ever had. It's like it's like walking on a cloud. You don't even realize that they're there and I'm just happy for the return of sandal season. James, who's your shout out to? Uh I think I I'm I'm worried I possibly told the story on air before, but my, my eh, shout out would, Nobody ever listens this long. My shout out would go to uh Jason Stark because when he got uh voted into the hall of fame for, by winning the spink award. Um, I got like roped into like, I was standing in the middle of, um, I forget which, which winter meetings it was. Maybe it was Vegas, but wherever I was like a bunch of athletic writers who I knew, and I had not met Jason at that point, um, kind of like grabbed me. I was like, Hey, we're all getting dinner. Jason Stark's a freaking hall of famer. And I got dragged along and we went to some very fancy restaurant. I would not walked into. And, uh, I ordered a $68, pork chop off the menu and um our our meal allowance for the day is like 75 dollars, and so 68 <laughs> took me easily over but i just put in the submission on our expense report jason stark's a hall of famer and it got approved <laughs> so shout out to jason who apparently has a lot of pull in our company expense department um it was delicious it was very succulent i understand why it was i understand when it'd be maybe 40 dollars. 68 is still pretty ridiculous but it was very great and i didn't pay for it well, I mean, Scott Powers did just expense a thousand dollars worth of autographed baseballs. Yeah, we're going under, aren't we? Yeah, you guys are in trouble. Well, I better get those free sandals while I can. Maybe I should say the name of the company. All right. Uh, well, thank you to everybody for listening again. Thank you again to Jason Stark who helped James get a free, expensive pork chop, but also more importantly introduced himself to all of us here at White Sox Business with his first appearance, our first Hall of Famer on the show. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Hopefully, hopefully the the owners and the players have made some progress in their negotiations by then, and we'll be able to talk about it, and maybe we'll see a little light at the end of the tunnel, or maybe they'll just be further apart and we'll be like, hey, let's go root on the Blackhawks in this crazy ridiculous NHL playoff format but hey the Blackhawks are in the playoffs so I guess that's that that matters extend everybody give them all raises uh thanks for listening we'll be back next week go Hawks woo